Who got you smiling like that? Coffee. It's coffee. It's always coffee. Honestly, coffee for me and so many others is like a morning ritual. I get up, I trudge my sleepy ass downstairs, and there before me is a sweet cup of coffee made with so much love by B. I think my favorite part about that is besides the note he writes me every morning, sorry, I have to brag, is the flavor that Life Boost offers, the one that I get to sip each morning. And this past month has been peppermint mocha, and oh my god, it is so sweet and tasty. Okay, I do hear, I know, I talk about their flavors a lot, and yes, they are worth me bragging about all the time, but... Life Foods not only pays their farmers a fair wage, they also use sustainable farming, which protects the environment and wildlife. They donate a percentage of profits to protect the plants and animals that live in their coffee regions. Okay, I could definitely come on here and say, Life Boost is a sponsor, and yay, Life Boost. But if I'm being honest, and like I said it before, if I truly love something, I will not shut the hell up about it. That is why... I am telling you all once again that you can join me in my ritual of coffee in the morning. Save yourself 30% with our code of unmasked to save yourself 30%. So I definitely got the shit kicked out of me today at class and I already have been on the calendar to a place to float to see when I can float next. Actually, they played a huge role in helping me heal from my foot injury that I got actually back when I was fighting in June. And they play such a big role in our lives. And I want the same for you. I know a lot of you guys have been focused on meditation and mindfulness for this year of 2023. And if that is one of your goals, I recommend going to a place to float. Now, I know it's not for everyone, but if you are contemplating it, try it, try it. And it definitely will take more than once. I don't want to be that person to say like, you should go more than once, but like it definitely took me a couple of floats to get used to it. That being said, if you want to try it and you've always been wondering about the float tank, you can go to their website, aplaceofloat.com and sign up. And when they are ready to fit you in, tell them we sent you. We have a code, UNMASKED, to save yourself 20% on your first float. Again, that code is UNMASKED, U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D, to save yourself 20%. Happy floating. In a world of ordinary, it's time to unmask the extraordinary with UNMASKED, the podcast. With host, Brandon Zimmerman. Welcome to Unmasked the Podcast. I feel like everybody knows me. Just about everything about me. Eye candy of the night, 100%. <laughs> Sarah Zimmerman. I want to be on the back end of RTV and just like, um, I saw Amanda Nunez and I'm pretty sure I fell in love with her. I want to just be her. It's time to unmask your true potential. Cool. Welcome to Unmasked the Podcast. We are here with Elliot Stewart. He is the co-owner and official CEO of North Mass Boulder, our favorite bouldering slash lifting slash yoga slash has a cafe slash... Bring your dogs. Yeah, bring your dogs. <laughs> uh, drag queens, welcome. Um, it yes. literally has everything. And Seriously. We love this place. 
what what gave you the idea to kind of just like start a like why did you, what gave you the idea to want to start a, a climbing gym that has all of those aspects yeah um well thanks for having me here uh to do the podcast um yeah it started with oh man we're really just kind of honestly if i go all the way back where it started was probably just like growing up my dad owned a small business and uh, was really like, I could see that the work he did, he was like, found a lot of passion in it and found the work to be really rewarding. And so that was like probably my first role model of like a small business owner, entrepreneur. Um, and he did really well with it. He is a carpenter and designed and built kitchen cabinets oh, here nice. in Indianapolis um, and did like enough to like buy us a really nice home and we had really nice vacations and sent me to nice uh, schools and so I had like a really good upbringing and was like really um, had a lot of admiration I think for him and what he did and like that was never really my thing like I mean I like I liked woodworking but that wasn't my passion yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I understand um, but I think that was probably like what's like the foundation that kind of maybe gave me the idea that I could do something for myself if I wanted to um, and I didn't really know like what I wanted to do uh, I went to Purdue and um, started with like a physics degree oh. and then was like and then moved to uh, the business school and um, got a degree in like supply chain, industrial management, and that is a flip. Yeah, like, yeah. physics. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I really enjoy people, and okay, yeah. and I enjoy. I'm good at. I feel like math was a strong suit for me in school. Nice. Um. So like supply chain seemed like a good like balance between those. Yeah. Um, and then I like got a good comfortable job after school working in Chicago, moved to Seattle uh, just to like pursue outdoor um, lifestyle and outdoor objectives and um, found a job with Starbucks at their corporate office in Seattle. As you do okay. when you're in Seattle. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and worked there for um, almost 11 years. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so like started like in 2010 or something like that. Um, but like, you know, it was just like, I enjoyed working there cause it allowed me really good work-life balance to pursue what I wanted to do, which was to be outside and to ski and to climb. And, um, so I started spending a lot of time doing that and I really got into, uh, skiing it was like my first like real adult outdoorsy passion. Did you guys ski when you were younger? Yeah, so I grew up skiing. My dad took me skiing when I was like 13, 12 or 13 up in Michigan. Okay, oh, where in Michigan? What, um, at Boyne Resort. Oh, Boyne hell Island. Yeah. yeah. I'm from Heartland, which is okay. literally right next yeah. door to Brighton, which is where Boeing is. I think the first ski resort I went to was like Star or something, which isn't all the way up in like where Boyne is, but like yeah. someplace like further south but yeah so love skiing so never really got a chance to do a lot of it but I just really good memories of that okay so anyways got into skiing and then the place where I lived in Seattle um a gym uh opened up in like early 2011 and it was literally I counted the steps 400 steps 
from my door to their door, which oh, was, like shit. felt like nothing. Yeah. You know? Like it was like, you know, literally like a four minute walk or something. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so out of convenience, start going there and, um, you know, that became like a part of my community. Like I didn't have to message people to go to the gym. Like I knew I could just go there and there were going to be familiar faces. People were going to know me. It was part of my identity. And I think I was developing that as my identity as a young adult living in Seattle around like being outdoorsy. That was like kind of a part of who I was. I was a skier. I was a climber. And that was a place where I could be me and be with other people that were like me. And um, anywho, like my time at Starbucks, just like, I mean, I was doing fine there, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I was like, you know, maybe I should find a job working in the outdoor industry. And so I kind of went through like my friends and my network and I found someone I knew that worked at Patagonia. Okay. And so I, I reached out and I was like, hey, I'm interested in working here at Patagonia and they said yeah let's fly you down for an interview they flew me down and interviewed with them and I remember like in the interview um, we were just like chatting and they're like what's the best part of your day and I was like well probably when I get off work I like to get high and yeah. go climbing at the climbing gym there you go. and they were like oh sweet what gym do you climb at and we started talking. I was like, oh, I'll go to the Seattle Bouldering Project. And they're like, oh, my husband helped design that gym. We know all about it. And like, we really started connecting over climbing and, and anything and really connected with um, the people down in Ventura, uh, Patagonia. And they made me a job offer. And then I started thinking like, oh, shoot, do I move to Ventura for this job? It's a beach community. Oh. And there's like, it's really far from skiing. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that's it's the opposite. Totally, yeah. yeah, really far from the outdoors. And then I think that question really stuck with me, like, what's the best part of your day? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I really find a lot of passion, or at least like, I find a lot of happiness in moving my body in a really fun way with people that I really love. And it's like, like love in like a community sense. And so I was like, wow, that's probably what I, where I need to be spending my time um, doing something like that. And so I was going to the gym, the Seattle Bouldering Project, probably like on a minimum, like four times a week, maybe like five, six times a week for at least like an hour and a half, two hours a day. Yeah. And um, I started to like see how the gym was growing, how they were like, how they were running the gym, what they were doing. Um, they were doing a lot of innovative things. It was like one of the first uh, bouldering gyms in the country and I think probably the first bouldering gym that really started to leverage community um, and like make it a, a place to grow community and foster community. And I really like think the bouldering project really innovated um, the industry and really created a new branch on the tree of climbing um, by creating a new genre of climbing, like what I call social climbing or social bouldering. Um, because, you know, like a lot of climbing gyms, you know, most traditional climbing gyms are like rope gyms, you know, you need equipment, you need to know how to use the equipment. Um, 
as like, you know, a belay device, harness, tie into all this stuff, you need to have a partner. So you have to like go with somebody and as the belayer, you're focused on belaying the climber and as the climber, you're focused on the climb. So you can't really be in conversation with other people. Um, and so it's kind of in some ways isolating to go to a traditional climbing gym, whereas like the bouldering gym, you don't need to show up with a partner. You can show up by yourself. You don't need any equipment. All you need is shoes and you can rent those. Um, and so you can just show up and plug in and you can see other people work on a problem and you can like, you know, kind of work in with them and like the nature of that sport really lends itself to communication, to talking about what it is you're working on. And so I found there to be like less barriers for human connection in that sport. Um, and so like I started seeing all, and like the bouldering project I think really innovated that. And um, I thought that was beautiful for them to create like this new genre. And I think a lot of like traditional climbers and what it created was an environment where people who before weren't really climbers were able to access the sport. And it really grew the sport. And I think climbing has become like so much of an identity for people and has become more mainstream with like movies now, like, you know, Free Solo yeah, yeah. and Don Wall. Yeah. That like, it's more than just like a novelty activity. Yeah. You know, it's like people are like, I'm a climber. And this is like, and then, like, there's whole like, you know, clothing brands that are like dedicated to this activity. And there's a whole, I mean, it's a lifestyle, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and you don't realize how important clothing is until you start doing it, and then you're like, oh, shit. Like, I really need something durable to be able to, like, scrape across something or, like, take the outdoor, ink, like, climate, and it's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's big. And, and I started seeing the owners and the life that they were living. And, like... You know, they would, they were very much involved in the gym, very much involved in the product. I'd see them like forerunning with the setters um, and see them like on their outdoor pursuits, like what they were doing. Like, you know, they would be traveling to, you know, South America, Patagonia to do these like climbing traverses. They'd be climbing in Europe, climbing all over the place. And I'd be like, yo, I'd love to like catch up and hear how you did this, you know? And they're like, yo, awesome. Yeah, I would love to share and catch up and tell you when we get back next month from climbing in South Africa. <laughs> and like, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly, that's the life that I want to be living. And um, I thought like, you know, there came a point where I was like, I could do this. Like, I think I had an, enough disillusionment in myself like a healthy level that and that's kind of just been I think who I've learned who I am is that when I get an idea I get obsessed with it and especially and I think like I need a few people who say I can do it but I also found that it really helps if somebody tells me very earnestly that I can't do it. No, I feel that on yeah. such a deep yeah. level. Like, <laughs> my, like, problem, it's definitely a, I would say it was my toxic trait, but I maybe I'll have to flip it and be like, no, oh. it's it's my new power. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a power. I think as long as you can use that, like, in a compassionate way um, and, like, proceed with empathy 
and compassion and not recklessness, I think you can accomplish quite a bit. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started talking with the Bouldering Project people and, you know, started learning more about how they did what they did. There was three owners of the Bouldering Project at the time. And um, being there, I just was like very inspired by what they had done. And I really wish that something like that would have been available to me when I was growing up here in Indianapolis. Um, and yeah, there wasn't a lot growing up here in Indianapolis. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think like for me when I was looking, okay, like I'm gonna do this, um, you know, I, originally like I wanted to partner with the Bouldering Project people, but also, never really felt like, you know, they were like intrigued with my passion for wanting to do this, but also I don't think really believed in me, never really gave me a lot of like support in a lot of ways or like confidence that like they were behind me. Yeah. Um, and so like I started just having a lot of conversations with other gym owners about what I was trying to do. And the industry is a pretty cool industry. Like as long as a gym owner knows you're not trying to like move in your their backyard like right. they're pretty on board with like having a real conversation with you so I was like chatting with some gym owners and um in Philadelphia um I think it's Philly it was the Ascent gym and those guys are awesome okay. and they had just opened this really new gym and it was really beautiful and I was just chatting with them about their experience was that another bouldering gym or was yeah it was a bouldering gym okay. yeah it was just a bouldering gym I think I've heard of Ascent before yeah I've yeah. probably at least seen it on the t-shirt yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um they were the owner there like really was like hey like you can do this on your own you know and like he was the voice that like gave me the confidence Nice. And, like, the the bouldering project, I think, was the voice that really felt like that's, you know, they kind of gave me the look, like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Um, you like, fucking watch just me. another <laughs> guy that wants to piggyback off of what we're doing or yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah, another guy who, like, you know, like, I don't think they... And the thing is, like, the truth is, like, to start one of these things, there's a lot of barriers to entry, sure. I feel like, especially from, like, just a real estate perspective yes. is like a huge one. Um, like you can find a, like you can find a big building to build a climbing gym. It's not a problem, but you need to find it in a place that's a desirable neighborhood mm -hmm. with enough demographics that are going to support the business that has a short, you know, drive time for enough people to hit like critical mass has to be zoned for it, has to have affordable rent rates or at least affordable to purchase, right? So like that, I started, I was, right before we started, I was trying to figure out the first email I sent on this project. And the first email I sent was to a real estate broker in June of 2016 saying, hey, I'm interested in trying to find a location in Indianapolis. And that was the first email. That was like, okay, I'm gonna like, this idea, I'm going to move and like try to make some traction on doing this. And we searched for two, three years oh my gosh. here in Indy to find a place. I mean, I'm still working at Starbucks the whole time. <laughs> and yeah. And like, uh, like working this, this hide hustle. And you're not even here. I'm not even here no. now. Yeah. And um, yeah, we originally were actually, we were going to take the, um, the 
fouling place. We were looking at that. Okay, yeah. And um, that was a big place that we thought could do it. We worked with Larry, the building owner, flew him to Austin to show him the Austin bouldering project. Because like, people are like, you want to open a climbing gym? And they think, oh, Epic or Hoosier Heights. Yeah. And he's yeah. Like, no, That's exactly no. what I think. Like, uh, this is different. This is like a totally different feel and take on what we want to do. And so I felt like the best way to explain to people, I, I couldn't use words, I had to show them. Yeah. And so I was like, I flew Larry to Austin and like, we're trying to work this angle and he was really hard to work with from like, just like contractually trying to put something together. And um, yeah, and I kind of like, I never lost hope on it, but then like there was definitely ebbs and flows to the whole process. Sure. And then our, my real estate, broker Michael Short he's awesome uh, he emailed me some pictures like in 2017 early 2018 of the uh, box factory which I don't even think had a name no I was like it was literally a building yeah just that was it yeah <laughs> it was it was a haunted house yeah I was, was like oh, it literally yeah. was like not literally not a, but like, well, fit, like it looked like one. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean I definitely drove back there before and was like where the hell am I and was like I need to get out of here immediately and then like now I'm like this is home yeah totally yeah and I remember he sent pictures and I said no it's too small um, and he's like, no, I really think you need to come see it. Like, I think it's big enough for you to do what you want to do. And I was like, all right. And so I flew out here to look at it. And like, I remember there was, um, not where the garage door is, okay. but the big glass window next to the garage door. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Used to actually be a door. It was a huge door. Okay. And it was like an industrial sized door for like moving like, you know, trucks and cars through and stuff like that. I remember we opened up this like huge steel door and like I walked in to the bouldering room for like the first time and I was like, oh, oh this is huge. <laughs> I didn't realize it was this big. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the spot. Oh, I and I was that. like, this is so close to the city. Yep. Like, yeah. and it's surrounded by neighborhoods. Yep. Yeah. We ride our bikes there. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's I was like, okay, <laughs> this is the spot for sure. Yeah. Um, and and so then like started working with the building owner um, to like get and like it, we were kind of like we learned a lot like we were pretty naive because like we didn't think that anyone was gonna rent us a space to do this. I mean, looking back, like landlords, like at least that was our take on it but really like we didn't have to sell the landlord on the idea they were like they were in and, yeah they like, were like are you gonna pay us you're gonna pay me a monthly, <laughs> a monthly yeah. rent they're like, and yeah. like the way the contracts are all set up like if you know they have guarantees and stuff in place that even if we fail they still get paid so it's like from them they don't really like there it wasn't a hard sell but looking back like we flew them to austin to show them what we wanted to do and we were in like they were totally stoked yeah. and like um, yeah, Stins, they, you know, the, um, Bo, uh, who runs Stins, the building owner and the construction company, he's, um, around our age and, uh, we had a great time in Austin, climbed at the Austin bouldering project and, um, kind of kicked off that relationship. And, um, I remember like coming out here and saying, okay, like, 
this is where we're going to do it. I started kind of putting the um, pro forma together, like the business plan together. And the climbing wall builders, there's a few. There's only like maybe a handful in the industry that build climbing walls. I mean, you can do it yourself. Some gyms build their own walls. Okay. Um, but there's like... Well, you could have gotten your dad in on it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. That like would have this. been a big project for him. <laughs> yeah. um, but like the climbing, there's this one company, Vertical Solutions, and they're an awesome company, really cool people out of Salt Lake City, and um, they have like probably one of the nicest climbing gyms in the country. It's beautiful. Um, and I think their business model is pretty smart. Like um, they own and operate like three or four climbing gyms but they instead of having a climbing gym in all these different places and managing these climbing gyms they got into the climbing wall manufacturing business manufacturing and designing and building really boutique climbing walls like these beautiful natural baltic birch argyle checker checkered pattern climbing walls they are yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. and um, and they will fuck your hand up. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're not used to it, and you yeah. just yeah, or you yeah. just like slide down it, and you're like, well, now I have. Or you, or you fall and hurt something on the way, <laughs> like I. Yeah, and so they've built climbing walls. I think for like over like three or four hundred climbing gyms at this point. Like it's okay. insane. Um, rope gyms and bouldering gyms, and. Um, their, their business model is really interesting because the, the product is very expensive and they can't sell you a product unless your business is fully funded. And most climbing businesses originally started off without bank loans. Like banks kind of thought climbing gyms were too big of a risk. And it wasn't going to take off. It wasn't going to take off. But we were kind of around the point in the industry where banks were starting to give out loans for climbing gyms. Uh-huh. And so they were really good at grooming perspective entrepreneurs on how to put together a business plan and how to obtain a, a bank loan because they want to sell you their product and sure. they know that they can't sell you their product until you're funded. And so, you know, they gave you kind of the, the building blocks of like, here's, you know, here's how you, you put together a pro forma and like kind of like a template for that type of stuff. But then like you have to really kind of, you know, you have to take it from that step one to, like, step, you know, 100 from yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, like, with that, like, that really kind of opened my eyes and, like, they kind of consulted with me on how to put this together to make this happen because they wanted to sell us, you know, climbing walls that are, like, over, you know, several million dollar climbing walls, yeah. right? Um, and so when I was coming back here, I'd stay with my buddy, Zach, uh, Zach Donovan, we met in second grade on the school bus. Uh, and so, like, we're, like, best friends. Like, where did you, where did, in Indy, were you? Uh, Franklin Township. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, grew up on the South End, and, um, like, yeah, we met in second grade. We were, like, best buddies. We lived really close to each other. Um, we could, like, walk to each other's, like, Homes through like the cornfields and oh, stuff. Dang, you and, like, lived the most exciting yeah. second grade life of all. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> really it was awesome. really fun. That's it was cool. I love it. We both had like dirt bikes and stuff. We oh, ride yeah. dirt bikes and oh, like cool. we do like sleepovers at you know each other's place like on yeah. weekends and like 
watch movies and play video games and it was awesome like best friendship ever that's awesome um and um I went to a private school for high school, and he uh, continued on at Franklin Township. Um, and then we went. He went to IU, and I went to Purdue. But I, we were still staying in close contact, and like we'd always call each other on our birthdays and stuff. And um, so yeah, I would stay with him, and like you know, he would be like, "What are you doing coming out here?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I got. I really think like." this bouldering gym thing is a thing that would really resonate out here. And I like see how successful it is in Seattle. And I'm telling you, like, if you can find a place to build one of these, like if you build it, they will come. And like, I think this was going to be really something that could take off here. And, um, he is a accountant. He's like a CPA. He was doing like accounting for um, this big phone manufacturing company here in Indy. And so I was showing him my business plan and he's like, whoa, you got so many errors in this thing. Like, <laughs> uh, like he, I'd be like, yo, can you clean it up? And he's like, yeah, of course. And so he'd like start cleaning it up and like running through the numbers and then asking questions. And then he started getting like intrigued with the whole thing. And... Um, and what I realized is that, like, I could go into a, a room, like, I go into a meeting with, like, a bank, and I could pitch them this idea, I could get them excited. And I think, like, that's been one of my superpowers that I've learned about myself is that I can really inspire people to believe in an idea and a vision um, and get them hyped on it. And I would do a really good job of, like, telling like a bank why they'd be foolish not to do this and how I was going to do it with or without them. I love it. And, um, (laughs) and just like what this could be and what this is going to be. And then they'd be hyped and they'd be like, all right, well, we still need to see the numbers. And then Zach would throw down all the numbers and then they'd be like, holy cow, this is more than we've ever seen when people come in to pitch us ideas for a business plan. <laughs> and, um, and so we like had, like we talked, we, we had one bank that we were really stoked on that we thought that they would give us a loan and our, our idea was to go to them last. Uh, and so we started working with like the banks that we knew would be the toughest and they never said no. None of them all never said no. They always were just like, okay, we're really intrigued on this. Like the tough banks really kind of like, they never let us go. But they're also never like really committing to us. Oh. That's when we're like, okay, that's fine. We're just gonna keep talking more banks, you know what yeah. I mean? And so we started like they're like, they're, and they'd always check in like, did you get any bites yet? Like any other banks doing this? And we're like, yeah, like every bank we're talking to is super interested. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're so interested too, <laughs> you know? Like people, so are, it's uh, like bank Tinder. Like, yeah, that's like, what's happening. No one wants to be the first mover, but everyone was super excited and like, yeah, climbing gym sounds really risky. Like we're gonna build a climbing gym, and people are like. Um, hmm, you know, um, and so yeah, we the the two of us made a really good team. Uh, so, sorry, and tell us if you ever need to pause. Like we can edit yeah. so much out; it's not that deep. Yeah. Um. It like when you say risky, were they just like not sold on the idea that it would be like financial? done or just like risky as like an insurance situation no just, just like, like um not a lot of people are opening up climbing gyms it's not like a traditional investment yeah. model that like you know white collar bankers know a lot about like yeah. they're like oh you want to buy a shitty like 
uh, a haunted house. In you want to buy a haunted house right. and you want us to give you a construction loan so you can make it nice and then put tenants in there and flip it. Right. We get that concept. Yes. Here's a construction loan so you can flip a house or flip a commercial building, right? Like those I are gotcha. investments that banks can wrap their mind around. Like when we're saying, hey, we want, you know, millions of dollars for just tenant improvements to like once we've leased this space to actually come in for fixtures and lights and to put a cafe and to put equipment and to build climbing walls and to put in pads and to build a yoga studio and to build a group fitness studio and then I need a bunch of money because I'm gonna buy a bunch of clothes and put in a retail place in. And then I wanna like put a cook and I wanna fly my cook to Seattle so they know how to make good food and like do all this kind of stuff. And but, it is worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, food yeah, is it's, fucking mm. fire. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> They they get like kind of antsy, you know. They're like, oh, well, who's done this yeah. before? And I'm like, it's well, like there's people. this one company in Seattle, and they've expanded to Austin and Minneapolis, and you know, like there's other gyms, and they're like, you know, so that was the that was the hurdle, right? Um, and uh, our third partner, um, who like this business is basically a table with three legs and we wouldn't stand without all three of us. If we missed one person, this would never have gotten off the ground. Um, and that was uh, my best friend from high school, uh, Colt Reichert. And, and Colt is, uh, he lives in uh, Elwood, Indiana, and he's the fourth generation uh, family owner of Red Gold Tomatoes. Oh, um, and okay, yeah. He's um, <laughs> he's famous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so my cool. he's one of my he's one of my best friends, and um, that story is a really beautiful story too. Where in high school, it was a boarding school that I went to. I was a freshman. I was just like a tiny freshman, and he was a senior when I was a freshman, and he was captain of the wrestling team, and um, he grew up with an older brother. Um, and I don't think his, I think there was a lot of, uh, I mean, they're obviously they were family and they love each other, but I think that they're the older brother and Colt, like Bo and Colt really, I, you know, he didn't get the, I think the brotherly love that he maybe wanted. Yeah. And, uh, I think he always wished he had a younger brother. Yeah. And, um, I wish I was an only child and I wish I would have had any siblings and particularly an older brother. That would have been cool. Um, and so as the, a freshman, um, I wrestled and I made the varsity team as a freshman on like the lowest weight class. And like nice. as the captain, he like looked out for his team. And so he looked out for me and make sure I wouldn't get like picked on or whatever as a freshman. And so like I had like a really easy freshman experience because I felt like no one could touch me because Colt was like <laughs> always looking after for me. And so yeah. he kind of became this big brother to me and I was just the little brother, which like looking back retrospectively, I got away with stuff that I should not have gotten away with. <laughs> sure. And, as you should. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was, and then, um, he went to Purdue and, you know, we didn't stay in close contact through the rest of my high school career. But then when I went to Purdue, he was a senior again and I was a freshman. Oh my gosh. And so it was that all over again. Yeah, I was like... And um, he ended up doing like four and a half years at Purdue. So we even got another like semester together the following okay. year. And we did a Knowles course that summer in Australia together and like really became much closer. And um, 
so with you know we came to him with this idea and he was looking to invest some of his money that he had earned and made through red gold and i told him about this idea and i shared with him you know i've been working on it with one of my other really good friends zach who he had never met um and i pitched him on the idea and like and again talking to these banks the bank's are like, well, you have to come, you know, to the table with money to do this. Like, we can't finance the whole thing. And ideally, you go to a bank and you're like, I want you to finance, I want to finance this whole, whole thing, thing through a bank. Yeah. And that would be great, right? Because that's like the cheapest money because it's just going to be amortized over a long period of time. And like, the interest rates at that point were pretty low, although our interest rates float around. But sure. um, yeah, so like the question became like, how much money do we have to throw down? To do this and so that's where it was a lot of fun Zach and I like you know negotiating with these banks like you know like uh, they're like yeah I think we can do this deal if you put you know the certain percentage down and we're like okay and then um, you know Colt would be like well I don't want to do this unless you have the bank loan and so it was a lot of just like who's gonna move first yeah. and just making everybody feel comfortable and um yeah like we were able to make it happen and um that was a lot of fun like raising the money to do this and i remember like the feeling of like when we got the bank loan feeling like holy shit like this is happening right now this is totally gonna happen yeah, so at this point so cool. now yeah and that was like in 2019 something oh, like early 2019 so yeah so 2019 we uh like figured out that maybe it was even 2018 I think it might have been I was like, like 20... I want to say because I literally you said 2019 I'm like oh it's like 2020 right now no bitch but... <laughs> okay okay yeah. I keep forgetting it's 2023 like... yeah. I think it was October of 2018 okay. okay so it was October of 2018 we got like noticed that our bank uh it went to loan committee and was approved and so we were like wow uh and then there was a whole saga with like our construction company um they we thought that they were fully financed to refurbish the whole building but they didn't have financing at all on the whole building and they were just kind of waiting on finding a tenant to go to their bank to get their loan oh. and so they had to shop around with banks the landlord did to get the money he needed to do his whole piece of everything right because like we couldn't start our tenant build out until the building was finished and obviously that building was in massive you know disrepair yeah um and so like that building uh, i think it was like a 13 million dollar project or something to wow. like rehab that building um and so yeah they had to find that and um obviously they did and um that took uh that delayed us to like a year and so we were sitting on this bank loan and like we were worried that we'd lose it yeah um because things were taking so long and then finally they got their financing in place and then we started construction and that was like in the fall of 2019 or early 2020 and then like the pandemic hit yeah um so then you were really like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it was but you know i was never actually never too worried about all of this stuff like i saw other gyms closing down because they had to but we were so far from opening i was like okay i'm just gonna like watch what's gonna happen here i'm not gonna like feel one way or the other about this yeah and um 
Indianapolis, I think like all construction was like considered essential still. Okay. So like all construction continued in the city. Like I don't think any construction ever stopped. And so our project continued being constructed all throughout the pandemic. We continued to build it. And like it was um, like an 18 month build out or something because we opened in June of 2021. Okay. Um, and that was around the point when if you wanted a vaccine, you could get a vaccine okay. and like people were feeling like, yeah, I'm ready to come out. Like I want, it was like springtime. They're feeling, you know, cabin fever from the winter and like do something. Everyone was vaxxed up at that point who wanted to be. And like, and so there was definitely, I think some caged up energy for people wanting to get out. And I think yes. honestly, the pandemic totally helped us. Um, so, um, I mean, I definitely think like it tapped into, I think during the pandemic too, like so many people were going outdoors anyway, Yeah. that being able to still have that like idea of being outdoors and taking that new passion that they found and then bringing it to a gym where the weather is crap half the year, you know, like being able to then transfer it there and not lose any of that like adventure sense and stuff. But yeah, so that I think that was the kind of the timeline with it. Um, but yeah, Zach was the first person that I brought on right before we started talking with banks. And I remember like the conversation. I was like, Zach, like you want to do this with me like full time? And he was like, yes. <laughs> uh, and so like it was him and me uh, doing all this for the longest time. And then, um, you know, we were going through the design you know, I remember just like going to the bouldering project and like really evaluating the whole user experience, like absorbing it and taking it in very critically and trying to understand like, why did they make the decisions to do this? Why did they make the decisions to use this equipment and not that equipment? What other pieces of equipment exist? Having conversations with lots of gym owners out there on the design of what a gym should look like, how it should operate right all the way from like the setter's closet and how like that should work and operate to like the flow of like people coming in where to put locker rooms where to put fitness equipment you know air purification what, what's the best air purifiers that we can put in like what gyms are using them um like how thick should our foam be like what type of foam should it be so i was like flying around to all these gyms checking them out like just demoing all these different like you know i talked to like this company who wanted to sell us pads that we bought pads from and um i was like yeah i want the pads to kind of feel like this and they're like okay i think the gym that has like that same kind of foam density is in atlanta you could go there in atlanta and check it out so like, all right so i'll buy a flight to atlanta just to go climb and fall on these pads <laughs> and like so I'd go and do that so i'd make sure that like the pads were right and then like i really like would dive into like the most obscure parts of building out the facility, you know, like, uh, like there was this really cool brewery in Seattle called optimism that like had these gender neutral bathrooms with like a huge hand washing basin. And I was like, Oh, that's super cool. We should do that. And so I was like, okay, I want the, like the main bathroom to be gender neutral right when you walk in. And, um, you know, I want like, the retail space to look and feel a certain way. And 
Like, there's this amazing restaurant on Mercer Island in Seattle that makes these incredible acai bowls. And, like, I want these acai bowls. And, like, it would be a shame not to have them. Like, and I remember, like, talking to this cafe and, like, hey, I want to buy, like, the recipe for your acai bowls and everything else on your menu. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, like, how much to, like, buy all of it? And they were, like, that was really interesting because, like, this cafe was, like, a passion project of Lisa Nordstrom, who is, like, a daughter of, like, the Nordstrom family. And, uh, like, that's, like, what she was doing as her passion project and creating this cafe. And so I was, like, talking with Lisa, like, hey, like, let's work something out, like, I want to buy. I, I want to buy your recipes, but I also want to fly my cook here to work in your kitchen for like a week to learn how to do all this, to like learn the training and the prep work and all that kind of stuff. And um, and so work that out there. So like just obsessing about all this like design, like the architect, like wanted to work with a local architect here. So like interviewing different architect firms, and we went with uh, Blackline, and the principal designer there, Craig, has been amazing to work with. Um, and he really helped us with like a lot of the like aesthetics of the interior from like the light fixtures and the lighting and um, like the artists I wanted to find really amazing artists and so like Starbucks had some really cool community artists that they were working with and we found uh, through Starbucks I found this artist Shogo Ota who lives in Kamano Island and I remember like reaching out to him and like to do our branding work okay. and I was like hey we have a meeting with this bank and I need to put a logo on the cover of our business plan but we don't have a logo yet like can you make me a logo and he's like usually this takes like like minimum three months to put together and it's thousands of dollars like how much time and money like do you have I'm like look I need it by the end of the week and I can like I have like 50 bucks and uh, Close. <laughs> I was like, but look, I'm going to get funded. And when I do, I promise you, I'll sign a contract that will use you exclusively as our main artist for everything uh, for before we start. And he was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and so I sold him on the idea of being our artist with, and working with your superpower. Yeah. And like and so he was on board with Did what? he do the mural then? Yeah, so he did our mural. Okay, it's beautiful. He did the Top Out Cafe logo, he okay. did the North Mass Boulder logo. Um so he's done all, he's done like all the mirror like the the coffee cups and the mugs and the beer bike. He did all those. Um so yeah we definitely he got his money and then some for yeah, like absolutely. doing that. Uh, and so like it was all about just like like building relationships with all these different people and putting a lot of care into the whole experience of like what I want this place to be in it. Like when you go to North Mass Boulder, it's the gym that Elliot wants. It's my gym. Like it's my experience that I want to share. And like that's a really vulnerable thing, you know, like it's me. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. congratulations. It genuinely is. Yeah. I think it's really a testament to you. It's beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful place. I Thanks. mean, people clearly flock to it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and it that feels growing. really good. Yeah. yeah Every time you come really there, good. it's like, it's like, it's full. Like, everybody's there climbing. Yeah. And everyone you know. is so just lovely. Like, yeah. everyone there, you definitely, the energy you put out has definitely attracted that same vibe and it is amazing that's awesome to hear yeah i feel that and it's like the most rewarding work like just get an idea 
like you know like feeling like the best part of my day is like to like hang out with friends and climb and move my body and like fill that social need and also that physical need um like to build that uh, a community around that has been really cool and to have an idea be manifested into reality and then to see it positively touching people is really really cool and feels very rewarding and I got I feel great when like people come up to me and they say hey thank you so much for building this like it's really like been a positive impact on me or it's changed my life I'm like wow I never got that kind of feedback working at Starbucks you know what I mean like you know um not that people don't need their milk and cookies every day, you know. I mean, you do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but this but. is, but that, like, that wasn't ever anything I was passionate about, you know. Yeah. And, like, this is, uh, it's really cool work. And I, I love, like, we tried to build the best gym we could. Like, we could have used, like, Rogue for all the equipment and saved, you know, lots of money. But I was like, no, like, what's this, like, the nicest fitness equipment that, like, you know, professional athletes use? And, like, oh, hammer strength is, like, the nice stuff. And you're gonna pay like ten times more for it. I'm like, cool, let's do it. And uh, like, trying to find like the best stuff we could, you know. Like, we went. Zach knew somebody at Cl- the Clisp, the speaker company, yeah. okay, and yeah. we sold them on the idea. They donated all the speakers. Oh my gosh! No that's kidding. Awesome. So we like, well, I was like, we've got to have the best sound system. We've yeah. Got to have the best yeah. fitness equipment. We got to have the best food. Like, literally trying to find the best in everything that we that we put in that space to make it the most top tier gym that we could find. Um, so, so much planning that went into it. I know, I mean, just hearing it, I'm like, whoo, all right, I need a breath. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know how, like, that's so amazing and that you just, you know, had your hands in every single thing. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally, yeah. And, you know, some things like, you know, some things work well and some things, you know, like, Something like didn't work well, that which is fine. It's interesting. Like one thing that didn't work that I thought would work was uh, like in Seattle. Like the big events at these gyms are these adventure films that they screen, and like yes. they do these like they get huge turnouts of like hundreds of people show up to watch these adventure films with the community and like share the stoke and the hype around skiing or climbing or real rock or whatever and it was not something that like was a thing here like I remember trying to get people hyped for like an outdoor film here like two or three times and like just no one showed up and I'm like huh all right (laughs) So that was a but block. singles night. Let me tell but you. singles yeah. night singles or like hopping, we were there or like trivia night. Like I did never expect a trivia night to be so good here. I mean, it's just it's a different community here. It's different, right? Like we don't have mountains that are really accessible. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just a, a little bit of a different vibe. But I think like the core product, I think, really resonates with you know, having a safe space to come and connect with yes. your community around yeah. like movement, whatever that may look like for you, whether it's yoga or fitness or um, climbing. Yeah. So. No, I definitely think this like hitting on that safe space is so uh, like really positive. I mean, I have a daughter who I'm always like, you have to come out for these specific nights. Like, I think I was like, do you want to go to drag night or drag brunch? And she's like, yeah, definitely. But, like, the she, um, 
like her identity I let her talk about <laughs> but when she like I love that she has a space that she can come and yeah. be herself yeah. and we, uh, not worry about it we got her to come to the big gay market with us when cool. that happened because she's she's really artsy and into that kind of stuff and like you should come out and vibe with people they're your people like yeah. you know like like brings me to my next point I know you live out in Seattle or Washington yeah. right yeah so how do you then connect how do you make those connections so um, in our community so prevalent in your gym because it is really prevalent I mean from Invoke we used to go to there yeah. we still go there totally. to coming here to like all of the drag queens that come in and I think at this point it's just it's become a life of its own I mean I think it started with me building a lot of these relationships like I remember reaching out to Amy at Invoke way way before we opened and was like hey we want to partner with you on yoga and like because that was something we didn't want we didn't feel confident enough in like our ability to put together a really high standard yoga program right off the bat and so we like reached out to them to, to help us like kind of launch that. Um, but I think we had a, we were integral in the foundation of it. And I think we like were really close with who we hired initially. And, um, and then with those good people, like we invest in them as like humans and like want them to be the best humans that they can be. And I think they have done a lot of this on their own. Like, the the drag brunch is just like. Honestly, I don't even know how that started. <laughs> I, like, I I think it maybe started with Patty, who is our prior events and programming director, okay. and she was just working with people. And she's like, "Hey, people are saying they want to do a drag brunch. Can we do a drag brunch?" I'm like, "Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it." Yeah. And uh, and so then that started, and like. Um, so, yeah, I think just, like, this has maybe become, like, a bit of a magnet and, yes. like, other people see it and want to be a part of it and kind of share their gift. And, like, now it's kind of the – what I always say is we built the skeleton of what this place is and, like, the look and feel of it. But, like, really all the people are putting the soul into what North Mass Boulder is. Yeah. And, like, that's not something Zach, myself, or Colt could do. Like, it's around this community and, like – I always say like it's your gym like it's the community's gym you guys all have a responsibility to make it what you want to make it and what's really cool is that we're only limited by the beliefs that we put upon ourselves on what we can make and that goes for all the members of this gym you know and so I think it's cool like this gym can and it's continuing to grow um so do you have any plans to like expand it then? yeah totally yeah um we want to continue to grow and um the courtyard is is really the only place we can do that here in indianapolis um we want to build this facility to uh have more members and to do that we need to increase capacity um and the courtyard doesn't get used you know like eight months out of the year. Yeah. yeah. I tried to find a way to like monetize it this summer. No, we definitely loved the, uh, yeah, the, the music. Was yeah, so it was fun. great. I was like, can we get food out there? I was like, okay, how are we going to get food out there? I was like, all right, what if there's a QR code and food like just was brought out to you and yeah. then there was music because I felt like we were losing so much business to these beer gardens and I was like, 
can we, like we have this cool grassy area, can we do a beer garden out here? And so I tried really hard to push that to some success, not enough, and like try to get entertainment out there and do different events. And I think people appreciated it, but I think there's always an uphill battle that like we're a gym and like people, like I think maybe in this first year, people like didn't know enough about who we were to mm-hmm. say like, yeah, I want to go to this gym and hang out for the evening. Like literally, yeah. I keep telling people that I was like, you really just need to go because I would go when I was taking classes and I would not work out at all mm-hmm. because I didn't have to. Like I would just go and vibe or yeah. we would literally go on date nights to the music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bring, bring our dog, yeah. hang out. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, totally. So... Yeah, I mean, I I want that space to stay an outdoor space, but, like, the reality is, like, for us to grow this community, like, the products that really resonate in Indianapolis still are very much, like, traditional fitness, like, mm-hmm. weights and cardio, mm-hmm. and that's probably the segment of our product offering that is probably lacking. You know, I wouldn't say it's insufficient, but, like, I we get so many requests for more equipment, more mm. fitness equipment. Oh my gosh, yeah, you know, I bet you do. so much. Yeah. yeah, more weights and stuff. And so what our plan is, is to build a building in the courtyard that will take up two thirds of that space. We'll put another large door um, where that small little tiny door is okay. at the end of the training walls down there. Mm-hmm. That will go in. We'll still keep the, the basketball court and that kind of paved area as like outdoor space. Okay. But it'll be much smaller. Yeah. And where the slack line was, basically from the slack line all the way back to the wooden fence, is going to be all enclosed. It's so tricky because it's like, I want to expand because it's so great. Yeah. But there's like a train track right now there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get rid of the train, I won't be mad. No, no one will be mad. (laughs) I'm always getting stopped by it. So So I think that'll add... That'll add about 4,000 square feet, okay. which like we can then move our group fitness studio out there yeah. and we'll have a much bigger group fitness studio without a big concrete pillar in the middle of it. We'll be able to <laughs> tear down was, our... I was like, oh yeah, there is a concrete. Yeah. I literally threw balls of that today. Yes, yeah. there is a... <laughs> And we can tear down the walls surrounding the, the current group fitness studio and put more equipment there. Okay. Yeah. And then we can put more cardio machines in the courtyard and like we can really expand that out. And at that point, like I think that would make us very hard to beat from a competition standpoint in Indianapolis because I think some people are like, you're missing a few of the machines that I want or I have to wait a little bit too long to get on this machine. And so I'm not going to come during peak times. And so they go somewhere else. They go to a smaller gym or something, right? And so otherwise they would be members. And so we want to we want them to be part of the community. And so that's kind of our, our next step is to build that facility out there to, to grow that member base just a little bit more. Um, and the idea is that if we can do like we want to hit a certain level of profitability like for ourselves to live the life that we want to live and like um in order to do that we need to do this expansion project and um like also like our my goal and i'm trying to get my other business partners involved with this is i want to open up a second location in seattle 
And in order to do that, obviously, our first location here needs to to prove itself. Really pop, yeah. Yeah, and so um, this is, uh, I see these all as stepping stones. It's like, you know, trying to really be as lean right now as we can be to show profitability, to get the financing we need to do the construction for the courtyard. Leveraging that courtyard construction project to grow our member base, to hit a certain profitability threshold, to leverage that into a second gym. So it's all stepping stones to a, to a Seattle gym that would be even bigger than this one. It would have like the same amount of bouldering plus like ropes. And you know, like, yeah, I think it would, and I know that market very well. I know it would resonate in Seattle too. So I, I'm really hyped about that project as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, we started North Mass Boulder in 2016 and we opened our doors in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and so like this is uh, and that was our first go at that was the first business we ever opened that's so um, I mean that's seriously like I cannot think of a better story that goes like that because I mean we've been doing this podcast for a while and yeah. like we've interviewed people who are like nope that didn't work nope that didn't work and had to go again yeah. and again and there... the fact that you were just like things it, like it was destiny almost or it was like things just started falling into place and you were like oh, I guess yeah. I, know, I feel really lucky. I got a lot of, so much gratitude um, for the people in my life and um, yeah, for this project. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd love to do something in Seattle and to like fold my, my community in Seattle into that project. Um, but to like, to, yeah, to answer your question, this is, this facility here has really kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, you know, like, and I think part of that and like where I'm really trying to focus my energy now is really uh, my leadership team of about five people. So I have like five people that I, that I consider like my core leaders of North Mass Boulder. Um, really just trying to understand them, yeah, who they are and develop them to be really amazing humans. And not that they're not already, but and like just like from a leadership standpoint really want to see them grow you know and um grow like professionally grow you know recreationally grow like spiritually um and like who they are understand themselves um so yeah i'm really i'm really stoked like this this weekend um Two people uh, from, that are part of that leadership team, we're going to go to San Francisco and do like a little retreat in San Francisco, nice. which is going to be really fun. Yeah. And like one of yeah. them is bringing their partner. Like a team building kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean, sort of. Yeah. Sort of, sort of. You're just hanging out. Just I fun. mean, that's that's team building though. You hang out and vibe with people. And like, yeah. That's, that, that is team building. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, um yeah, it's like more alternative than probably most team building but no yeah. that's fair I'm with I it. mean we're in Indiana you're in not Indiana so yeah. like do what you get the, the uh, <laughs> alternative is moving this way it's just you yeah. gotta get you yeah. know yeah. certain so people out of office for that happens but yeah but like yeah just trying to like um been really diving into like a lot of um I don't know if you've ever read Brene Brown uh Dare to Lead or like Radical Candor and stuff just like how like that stuff is like so like 
how do you encourage like I want my team to be creative and innovative right and that requires them to be vulnerable with their ideas and having a safe space to be vulnerable right and vulnerability is inherently risky because it invites you to fail it invites you to share stuff where you can be criticized and feel shame and like how do we create a space where people feel safe to be vulnerable and through being vulnerable create more deeper connections with each other and like create better work that's more creative and innovative and so like that's where I'm really spending my time right now is how do I develop that type of company culture to for people to truly be vulnerable with each other and share their ideas and feel safe and feel supported through empathy um, when other people are struggling um, and that isn't really rewarding work and like I'm just now scratching the surface on like how to do that and like it's also really fulfilling for me because I get to do this work too on myself that's really, um, like, yeah, is, cool. is that a way that you were really like brought up? Because I think it's super rare to find that in people, let alone, I assume you identify, I don't want to assume your gender, but do you identify as male? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so it is really hard to find it in males specifically. So like, where does that even come from? Um, well, I mean, I think a lot of it... I don't know. I, a lot of my self-growth has come through a lot of psychedelic use um, and like through a lot of um, my relationships, a lot of struggles in life, like relationship wise and learning to grow through them and trying to understand who I am and trying to use, you know, struggles and trauma as fuel for growth and um, deepening a connection with myself and having really good therapists that I talk to and really good medicines that I take, you know, ceremonially. And um, that's how I find the space to give myself the grace to be me um, and share who I am with other people. And it feels incredible to connect with people and to like feel seen. Yes. And um, like, I think that's what's really hard is that a lot of barriers to vulnerability are, they, I mean, without vulnerability, you can't connect, you know? And I think like that's really what everyone wants to do in this life is to feel, to share the human experience, right? And, and so that's what I'm, I'm really like kind of like intrigued by all of this, these concepts and like trying to understand more about like how can I be the best human I can be because it just doesn't impact my work at North Mass Boulder. It impacts me being a father, it impacts me being a partner, and impacts me being a friend to my community. Um, so it impacts every part of my life and like I want other people to have that expanded consciousness of that uh so that they can just be better humans because i know this work it like hits all parts of your life it it, yeah i can imagine yeah and it it definitely shows too because the the people that the people that work in work mass all delightful like i've never never run into a turd you know like (laughs) they're all great you know Mm -hmm. it it 
it definitely shows that the people that show up there, like the community you've brought, it just, you said it's an extension of yourself, which yeah. is so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, we did and I, I too think it's like, it takes a certain vulnerability that I have yet to really, like, put out there when you're climbing because it's really scary to fall it's really sure. scary to <laughs> yeah. fail so like the fact that you're already putting people there who are like helping you or not like laughing at you when you fall or yeah, yeah, not yeah. you know like yeah. calling you out for yeah. failing at you know whatever tr- like route yeah. you're trying to take so. climbing is so much fun I love climbing yeah. I uh, think it's great I'll attest to the pad you bought too because I did fall like <laughs> one of the times and like I was pretty high up <laughs> yeah. and I like went to grab and like sh- and I fell on my arm and I was like I'm okay. <laughs> it's, it is really sad when I'm like, I feel like I could climb and fall and not get hurt. But at jiu-jitsu, I'm like, please don't touch me. I will definitely. Yeah, I, I slipped on <laughs> like the second step of my stairs one time and like yeah. landed on oh, my sh- ass. And I was like, I was amazed that I wasn't broken. Because, yeah. you know, once you hit over 30, you start start really worrying about that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah but, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Your story is incredible. Yeah, thank thanks. You. Thank you. Super fun. Thank cool, you from man. the bottom of our hearts yeah, for yeah. sharing it with us. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Taking yeah. the time because it really is amazing. Is there anything like, I don't know, is there anything that you would say, like words of wisdom for anyone out there? Maybe starting a gym, maybe starting uh, like starting a new gym that they're going to or, you know, thinking about starting a business. Yeah, I would say you definitely can, you know, like the, the truth is that if you, um, if you want it bad enough, like I, I really believe that you can make things happen, you know, like I think um, you just have to be okay with hearing no and really believing in yourself. And I think like the trick with it that I like goes back to my dad is just like being passionate, you know, being truly passionate about what you do. You know, because I don't feel like I've ever worked a day on North Mass Boulder. It's always like, I feel like I'm always sneaking away to work on it because it's fun. I always want to tinker on it, you know, and work on it. It's like, it's a passion. It's a hobby. It's also my work, you know, but it doesn't feel like work. And so I guess that would be my advice. And it, I guess, sounds cliche is like to, you know, follow your passion. But like, I would say that that's definitely a truth that has rang true for me. Um, and like to believe in yourself that you can get it done. You know, I do believe that like where there is a will, there's a way. And if you want it bad enough, you'll like, you know, manifest. Someone said to me recently that manifestation is really just slowly changing the reality one degree, like one gradient. And then in that reality, you're changing things just one more gradient to kind of get to that reality that you want to see happen in the world. And so you just kind of have to find like, yeah, like they're all stepping stones. Like everything is just, this conversation may change things just one slight degree in your favor that one way. And then you can use that as a stepping stone to change things just one more degree. So you have to stay with it and stay determined. And I think people can get to where they want to be. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Fuck yeah. Thank you, can, thank you, thank you. What's, uh, let's end it at that. That's good. <laughs> cool.